If you have your Bible, turn to John 11 this morning. John 11 is going to be our, our text of Scripture. And I want to, I've just been, we're coming up on Easter. How many are looking forward to Easter? I love Easter time. It's like the Super Bowl for Christians and churches because we're going to see a lot of folks that we don't normally see. Amen? Christmas and Easter Christians is what I call them, C's. And, uh, but I've been thinking about the, the topic of resurrection. Everybody say resurrection. And I've been thinking about that, and, and we, we obviously on Easter will focus on Jesus. The hope is alive is our theme, our T-shirts. We're going to have a sign on the back. We've got posters on the wall. But what I really felt led uh, for today is that there's another story in the Word about somebody else that was resurrected, and I want to talk about that in John 11. I only have about two or three scriptures, so let me just give you some context to what I'm going to read here in just a moment. If you, when you get into John 11, but Lazarus has died, a good friend of Jesus, the whole family, Mary, Martha, Lazarus are mentioned several times in scripture. This home would have been a home that they would have enjoyed staying at as Jesus with his disciples and his people that were traveling with him in ministry. It was a favorite stop of the Lord to be able to just kind of stay there and to teach in, in the home and to be able to be taken care of, cooked for. Uh, put up for the night, so to speak. So these people were very special to Jesus, and he cared really a lot about them. And think about this. If they were around the Lord and, and enough times, and we know this from Scripture, that they had seen blinded eyes, Jesus opened blinded eyes. They had seen Jesus heal the lame. They had seen Jesus heal deaf ears. They had seen Jesus do all these miracles. So naturally, when Lazarus gets sick, they say, we need to get to Jesus. How many know this morning, you need to get to Jesus when you have an issue? That's the first place that we need to go is we need to get to him. So naturally, they send a messenger. They send somebody to go and, and retrieve and ask the Lord, please come back. The one you love is sick. And in the story, right preceding the verse we're getting ready to read, Jesus, it says, stayed where he was for several more days. And that sometimes doesn't make sense, but as we look at this today, I think it will open up um, a little bit of revelation to you of what was exactly going on. Um, I imagine kind of over the course of several days, the conversations had to be like this. You know, Jesus loves him. Uh, he will come before it's too late. But Jesus oftentimes, church, doesn't show up when we want him to. He shows up when God says that he's going to show up. How many understand it's hard to wait on the Lord? That is so difficult. But look in verse 17 today. There's some things I want to pull out of this that will begin to prepare our hearts over the next few weeks uh, for Resurrection Sunday, and we're looking forward to that. Verse 17. I'm going to read this in a little bit different version of the message, but just follow along. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now look back this way. Everybody say, on his arrival. Don't you love it when Jesus shows up? <laughs> Listen, when Jesus shows up, things begin to change. When Jesus shows up, things begin to shift. There are answers that come when Jesus shows up. I, that's the best news that I can give to you today is when you sin for Jesus, when you ask him to help with the situation or to come into a situation or to help with uh, physical problems in your body or whatever's going on this morning, I want to tell you a guarantee from Scripture. When you cry out in faith and when you ask the Lord to show up, Jesus does show up. I love the story of the disciples as they're rowing against the wind and 
Jesus puts them in the boat and they're going across the lake and it says the winds were contrary. Has anybody ever in, been in a place where the winds just seems like it's blowing against you where Jesus said you were going get to get to go? We've all been there. And they're rowing with all their might and Jesus is walking on the water. And of course, it says that he was going to pass by them and Peter begins to cry out. And think of this. The wind didn't die down when Peter got out of the boat and went to Jesus. The wind died down when Jesus got into the boat. I came to tell you this morning, Jesus does show up. That's a good news. Amen? And listen, resurrection power is at the very core DNA of who Jesus is. Look at verse 38. Then Jesus, the anger welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Now look back this way. There's three things that I want to point out in this scripture, three commands that the Lord gave that we'll look at today. Command number one is remove the stone. Command number two is Lazarus, come forth. Command number three is unwrap him, or some versions say loose him and let him go. And I want to share a message today entitled, Get the Stone Out of the Way. Father, for the next few moments, I pray that you would help me. Lord, I just confess my total reliance upon your Holy Spirit. Lord, come do what only you can do. Lord, we love it when you show up. We love it when you visit. We love it when you dwell. We love it when you come. And, Father, remove things that we see in front of us that seem so impossible and seem so difficult. But, Father, we believe you're a God of resurrection power today. We believe that you are a God who answers by fire. We believe that you're a God that no matter what it may look like in the natural, even if something, Lord, is in the grave, we believe today that, God, you can speak a word and see everything change. Father, we love you. We praise you, and God, we're careful to give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. The way they buried people back in the Lord's day, back in during this time, is they didn't dig a grave and put a headstone. If you were wealthy enough, you already had a grave prepared in a hillside where they would remove all the rock and create a place for you to be laid to rest. Many times, if you didn't have the money, they would just find a spot that was a little bit of a cave and a little bit of an area where they could go and bury people. But in this instance, Lazarus has passed away, and it hasn't been a few hours. It hasn't been 12 hours. It hadn't been 24 hours. It has been the fourth day now that they are sitting and wondering, why didn't the Lord show up when we thought he should show up? And listen, the preacher in me can't get past the point that Jesus shows up on the scene. And we know from, from reading this that Jesus intends to release resurrection power and to speak the word of God into what seemed like a hopeless situation. But don't miss this part of the story. There is a stone in the way of what Jesus wanted to do. There seems to be an implication there. There's something, this stone is keeping the miracle of resurrection from taking place. So he commands these people to remove the stone. Everybody say, remove the stone. You know, I look at this and see this in the story, and I think of the spiritual implications that are present. The Bible says that we are separated from a relationship with Jesus because of sin and because of our own disobedience and because we, like sheep, have all gone, gone astray, right? We're spiritually dead. The Bible 
points out very clearly that live, uh, to live a life that's ruled by sin, we are spiritually dead. And it also occurs to me that there may be stones placed in and on our lives that hinder what God, God designs and desires to do. My, my question is, is it a possibility that there may be a stone that is keeping the word of God from going forth into your life to see the power and the answer that God wants to bring? Okay, what are, what are some stones that perhaps maybe get that get placed at a point in our lives that nothing else can get into it. I thought of one thing I thought of, and we all can relate to this. Sometimes we have a stone of offense, right? Sometimes we have a, in other words, spiritually speaking, there are some things that kind of get over and in our heart and can keep God from doing everything that he wants to do in a situation because there's just a, there's something separating don't you find it interesting in this story that, that the same Jesus that can speak a word and see resurrection in this story still tells the people around him to take the stone away? What does that begin to tell me? There are some things that we need even each other for in order to see God do a miracle. We sometimes have the misconception that God's just going to do it all. Can I come and blow that misconception up today? Sometimes there are some things that need to be removed from our life so that God's spirit and God's power can get in there and do what he wants to do. And you see this in the story. There are some, I don't know what it could be for, for people in here. I know for all of us, there's times where we just kind of feel like, Lord, my, my heart's just kind of getting stony. Am I the only one? Look, this is not the first church of the poser this morning. You guys know that. Y'all got the angel halo with devil horns, right? right. Which is it? We can be offended. We, we, we can be offended at something. I think in this story, as you read it, I think that that's the, think of the atmosphere that Jesus is walking into. Not only was there a stone that was in the way that needed to be removed, the literal atmosphere Jesus is walking into, and you see this in the story, is I think there was probably a lot of just a little bit of hurt. Mary and Martha were, Lord, we, we served you. Lord, we love you. Lord, have you ever been in a place where you just don't know what God is up to? If you can't raise your hand, you haven't walked with him for very long. There had to be a, a sense as he walks into, and what you need to understand about the story too, just as a side note, in that day... They would literally, because of, of the mourning period that they had after somebody passed away, if you only had a handful of people to mourn with you, they actually, some of your family members would go out and hire professional mourners. That was a cultural thing. So these people weren't really sad. They're just there to wail and weep to make a big kind of scene. And Jesus is walking into this atmosphere. Jesus is walking into this place. And when he arrives, he's already talked to the two sisters, Mary and Martha, and he's assured them of this. And this is what I want to assure you of today. When he says, I, will know, I know that he will rise again later on at the, at the last day. And Jesus says, listen, you need to understand something about me now. I am the resurrection and the life. I, I can resurrect anything right now in this moment. But you look in this story. And what I see is Jesus actually had to tell them two times to take the stone out of the way. 
Why in the world did he have to say this two times? You get, the, you get kind of, as I read it, I, the pre, again, the preacher in me just sees that and says, wait a second, Jesus, I don't think, should ever have to repeat himself. I don't think Jesus should ever have to tell him. Look, he said in, right, right there in a few verses up, he said, hey, go ahead and take the st- stone away. And then a few verses down, he has to reiterate, take the stone away. My point is that sometimes we allow some things to get into our lives that are spiritual stones that keep the miracle of God happening in our lives. And here's why. Everybody say why. Why? Because, thank you, young person. (laughs) You read the story, and here's the key. Because, everybody say other people. I see not just two commands, but I see two groups of people that are even present in the church today. Because he said it, and here, here's what I'll call her, because as far as I know, nobody in this room has this name. Pastor David pastored in Illinois for six years, and I hopefully he'll get a kick out of this. Beulah shows up. Y'all never met Beulah. Pastor David's met Beulah. Beulah is the church member that's going to tell you why you can't do something rather than why you can. Come on, somebody. Here's why I say that. Because Martha is Beulah. He says, remove the stone. And she comes back with, but Lord, it stinketh. (laughs) Church, there are two groups of people in the church Some people in the church are afraid of what's behind the stone because it seems to stink so bad. And they would rather you hide it because we can come to church on Sunday and we can look really good and we can clap really loud and we can lift our hands with the best of them. But let some people walk in that have some things that stink behind the stone. And we always say, I didn't sign up for that. Can I tell you something this morning? God is not afraid of what's on the other side of your stone. We don't remove the stone because we say, God, it stinks behind there. Can I tell you what kind of church you walked in today? You walked into a church and a group of people that love God and love you and and love the fact that you would be honest enough to let somebody roll the stone away even though there's something behind there that doesn't look and smell and look like everybody else. Because can I tell you something this morning? We all have something that stinks behind the stone. We all do. The reason we don't remove the stone is because we're afraid of the stink. Listen, if you came in here this morning, again, I want to tell you the kind of people that you're surrounded with. We will help you move the stone away. Why? We can't fix you, but the Word of God can fix you. When the stone is rolled away and you allow that what is dead on this side, the power of God to speak into it on the other side, let me tell you what happens. Spiritual resurrection and rebirth happens, church. You're in a church church of people that love God and they love you. You may say, I just, there's nothing redeemable, lovable, but listen, Lazarus was dead. You say, God, it's too late for me. Can I tell you, he's a God of resurrection power. You don't know. On the other side of my stone, Pastor, there's an addiction. Can I tell you, we all need a second chance. 
Pastor, you don't understand on the other side of my stone there's a moral failure. Can I tell you, we all go the same way of the grace and mercy of God. Lord, there's always somebody that shows up and is worried about the stink of people's lives. And I want to tell you something today that God is not concerned about that. He's concerned about you getting free. He's concerned, but, but, but he has to tell them. There's something, and what I love about this as I read it is it's just not, l- l- think about it for a second as I thought about this. Jesus, if he can walk up to a tomb and speak and see somebody raised from the dead, he could have spoke to that stone and it could have disappeared in a, in a second. But he didn't say that. He showed up and he looked around them. Do you know what that begins to tell me? We need each other. We need each other. Why? Because we can see the stone that's holding other people back. Can I, I'll tell you this morning, other people can see the stone. You say, I'm good at hiding. But Lord, it stinketh. <laughs> it stinketh. He had to tell him twice. We allow stones to even get in front of that place in our heart. This is, there's a spiritual implication here. Only God can forgive sin. Only God, as you cry out to him, can look at somebody that was unclean and call them clean. Only God can take something that stinks and turn it into something that's a testimony of his goodness and his mercy and his grace. Only God can do that. Only God, only the word of God spoken from the lips of Jesus in this moment was going to resurrect him and bring him back to life. The, thing, the same thing is spiritually speaking today is only God can come and to make what is dead alive. But you've got to get the stone out of the way. How many are thankful he's still rolling stones? Oh, God. If, if there's nothing else I want you to leave here with today. It's just a celebration that if we do not hide behind what we think is, is keeping things. Listen, you're not, what happens, and this happens to all of us. The, the problem with putting a stone or a wall up in our spiritual lives or in our everyday living lives, the problem with doing that is you're not just keeping people out, church. You're keeping the Lord out. Jesus may have been standing at your, the entrance of your tomb of the thing that you thought nobody knows about and nobody cares about because, you know, if I really reveal this side of me, then nobody's going to lie. Listen, it may stinketh, but God can resurrect it. Make you want to go eat lunch, doesn't it? So in other words, we can't remove the stone because we don't want to reveal the stink. Did you hear what I'm saying? I I came to tell you today, if if you came to this church, I want to tell you it's far from perfect, but we understand something very important spiritually. This isn't a place where we all come look our best. This is an emergency room of the Spirit. This is a triage center. This is an urgent care. We may not have it all together, but we do know the one who does. And, and he can roll away the stone and speak into your situation. Can I tell you this? If, we, if the church, and I'm, I'm talking about the church in general, 
Because in this story, if, if we become a church that won't remove the stone, Jesus will find somebody that will. He absolutely will. We are those church people, amen? I've hung out with Martha. I've hung out with Martha before. Beulah. I've hung out with her. And I absolutely, I'll say this this morning to our people here. If you're visiting, we welcome Pastor and his wife are visiting. But I just want to tell you for this church, we will never be that church. You say, well, what kind? I'm not talking about any church in particular. I'm talking about the church that maybe some of you have been in where you know everybody's just hiding everything. If we do not ever take the stone away or the mask off, God can't really heal what's really going on on the inside. There's a stone there. I don't know what's in your tomb this morning, but can I tell you this? We're not afraid of it, and Jesus isn't afraid of it. Why? Because in this situation, Jesus is in charge of the whole entire situation, and he can work. He can work once the stone is out of the way. What's our job? To get the stone out of the way. What's his job? To work in your life. In church, never underestimate what a random act of kindness can do for somebody. Can I share a little testimony with you? I've been given permission for this by the person who wrote me this letter. And I'll just be straight honest with you. When I walk in my office and there's already a letter on my desk, my heart sinks. (laughs) In this particular day, if I get a little choked up talking about this, just please forgive me. And to give context to what I'm about to read, I shared this a few weeks ago, and perhaps you weren't here. But a few weeks ago, I was here studying on a Saturday, and my wife and my son had gone up to get pizza. So I knew where they were going, and I'm like, man, pizza pizza always sounds good to me, as you can see this morning. (laughs) I didn't want them to have to drive and turn in and back out on the 19 on a Saturday. I don't know if you've been on 19 on a Saturday. It's like the Indianapolis 500 out there, y'all. It is crazy. So I thought to myself, and I called her. I said, Lee, I'm just going to go right across the street. You can pull in, hand me my pizza, and I'll go on about my business. Long story short, she didn't have any plates, and it was in a big box. So I had to take my pieces of pizza and eat them in the middle of a little church parking lot across the street. And I thought to myself, and many of you know the story, I thought to myself, I hope nobody from church sees me. I, did, I, had, I, I had pizza dripping <laughs> and on my hands. And sure enough, one of the sisters from the church pulls in. Hey, pastor. <laughs> and I smiled and I said, hey. And I looked at her and I said, you wouldn't happen to have a paper towel. She said, I just put a roll in my back seat. I'm going down to do some cleaning in Old Home Assassin. So she ripped off a paper towel. And, and here's, here's, here's what I left thinking that day. God, you know right where I'm at. You know exactly where I am in this moment. You ever feel like you're just off God's radar? Friday, I had a day like that. Matter of fact, I thought back, and it had been 17 years, 17, since I felt like I did that day. My heart was broken. into a million, And the, the reason isn't necessarily why that I'm sharing today. But I I did what I always do when my heart's that broken. I go to the Lord. I go straight running to him. And I didn't want to stay home. I wanted to come here in the sanctuary. I wanted to just lay out here before the Lord and cry out to him. 
But the first place I went to put my phone down was into my office. I came in the side door, walked in my office, and this letter was there. And remember how I was feeling. My heart is broken over a situation. Tears are running down my face. And as I walked in, there was just that nagging part of me. Again, don't ever underestimate what a simple act of kindness can do for somebody else. Don't ever, you, I'll tie this back into the story in just a minute. I asked this person if I could share this letter. So will you guys listen to it for just a minute? God gets all the glory for this. The day we met in the church parking lot, it was no mistake. God put both of us there as a blessing. Little did you know I had been feeling sorry for myself. I am turning 70 this year and was not looking forward to it. Didn't think God or anyone, my children, needed me anymore. And there you were, a smile on your face, in need, ha, 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 of a single paper, paper towel. Little did I know it was an answer from our Father. After your sermon that Sunday, or in your sermon, you said, be still and listen. And I felt blessed to be there at the right place at the right time to give you that single paper towel. How crazy is that? Here's what she said in capital letters written out. God knows. Now remember, I walked in with the biggest broken heart that I've had in quite a long time. And as I sat here in the sanctuary with tears running down my face, my question walking in was, God, do you know? God, do you? That had to be how they felt as Jesus walks up this dusty path for four days of thinking to themselves, we asked him. We, he loves us. He's for us. He, he stayed here. He's taught us. He's been with us. And then to be still and listen. She goes on to say, As I laid down Sunday night and said my prayers, I was still and once again I heard his voice tell me, your work isn't done. Go out and do my work in your everyday life. Know that I am here. Everything is going to be all right. Thank you for being on the side of the road eating pizza in need of a simple paper towel. Oh, what a big blessing to me. From a sister blessed with hope, faith, and a whole lot of love. So her blessing to me, don't doubt that God knows where you are because I needed to hear that in my spirit and in my heart and in my very soul with what I was walking through just the other day. And I came here to tell you something so important, and I'm just going to share from my heart for these last few minutes. I came here to tell you something so important, incredibly important. God is in control your God if you go back up just a few verses and I love this I love this I, I read it every time I've ever read it throughout my entire time of reading the Bible I get a chuckle because the messenger sent and they the messenger goes away and the disciples are thinking they, they say this Lord you can't go back they just tried to kill you and he said, well, actually, Lazarus is asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. And the disciples are like, good, let him sleep. He'll get better. He's sick. 
And Jesus is just like, oh, he's dead. But he says this, and it's good because now you're going to see something of God that you have never seen before, church. If you can catch anything from this story is that stones need to be rolled away. It may be a stone of offense. It may be a stone of doubt. It may be a stone of hurt. It may be something in your life that has happened that has kept a stone from keeping the word of God from speaking over power and miracles over your situation. But I just came to tell you something simple. God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he knows exactly how to answer in his time because in his time, God will get all the glory, and if God gets all the glory, we should be happy that our Father in heaven is glorified. That's all that matters in our lives. We get so worried. Do you know what what a warning light of your soul is in your spiritual life? A warning light of your soul is if you spend a majority of your time worrying, fretting, and concerned about something in your future. When I get that way, and I was that way the other day, worrying, crying, upset, wondering what's going to happen, how's this going to work out, God, what does the enemy do? He comes in and begins to lie about the very character of God. If you want me to take you real deep, and I'm not going there this morning, but if you want me to take you real deep, you see several times in the Scripture that Jesus literally began to get angry Jesus wept. And most people read that and they see, and even the people around, I think, misunderstood because they said, see how he loved him? But then, then there was the whispers. Well, if he really loved him, he would have showed up and healed him. You see, it's right there. I think God's heart breaks the most. God, I feel the Holy Spirit. God's heart breaks the most when we question his love and character in our lives. Because there had to be those whispers even among the family that trusted him most and, and, and knew him the best. I, I think the, 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 the heart of the Lord just says, God, you just have to trust me. And some of you are thinking, I've got ten situations in my life that never worked out the way that I wanted. Can I tell you, there is no situation that God cannot fix if it didn't get fixed then. There's something called resurrection. And resurrection trumps nothing. Every attack of the enemy, every lie, everything that we walk through, it doesn't matter what the final say is here on this earth because God has the final say. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's resurrection. He can speak a word and everything changed, but you've got to get the stone out of the way. The offense I was talking about before, I sense this in my spirit. The offense that I was talking about before may not be with people, but for some of you, and you wouldn't admit it. Again, what's behind stinks? You wouldn't admit it, but you're offended at God. Somewhere deep down, you think, God, you didn't work this out the way that I wanted this to work out. This wasn't how it was supposed to go down. But if God said back here in the beginning of this, he said this. He said, he will get up. God is a promise-keeping God. And there are over 7,000 promises in the Word. It's like having a gift card. 
I'm blessed to get a lot of gift cards. Amen? Pastor Appreciation, birthday, you guys are very much a blessing church. You notice I'm pumping a little bit. Because my birthday is coming up. Man, I love it. Yo, I love, I love them steak gift cards. Love them. Seafood. Ooh, Lord Jesus. Yes. I love them. But God's promises are a lot like a gift card. They can sit in the middle console on my truck, Brother Mike. And I never take them and redeem them. Some of you haven't redeemed the promises of God that God has clearly set over you and given to you. And listen, God doesn't want to leave his word undone in your life because the word of God says that that every word of God comes and it accomplishes that which it was sent. Jesus in this moment was sent to speak, but we have to get the stone out of the way. Amen? God's promises are real. God's promises are true. God's promises are for you. And God loves you. Amen? Does everyone get God's help to manage the unmanageable? They do not. You're here today and you, be, you are made in the image of God, but unless you've submitted your life to him, you're not his child. Can I tell you, when you're his child, you have God's promise and you guys have help. You, got, you have God's assurance. How do I know that I've really trusted God with my problem? How do, I, how do you know that you're really believing God is going to help? Here it is. Just as the warning, warning light of your life is worry and fear and anxiety and all these different things, can I tell you what shows you if you have really... I was in a situation Sunday that I was heartbroken and I was worried and I was fearful and I was anxious and I didn't know what to do. And when I finally got to the point where I said, God, you're my heavenly father. I'm your child. You promised that you would take care of me. No question asked. I apply your promise. I apply faith to the situation. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek his face. So I set my face to seek him like David and put the spiritual ephod on and begin to pray. If something's going on in your home, one thing that uh, I heard a pastor say just a couple weeks ago, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility as the man of the home. So there's things that are my responsibility that may not be my fault, but I have to take spiritual responsibility for them. But I came to tell you today that what came over me, my pastor literally said it this way as I talked to him that night on Friday night. He said, Jason, I know this is bad, but I want you, I want you to understand. He said, I pr- I've been praying for you all day that God gives you such a peace you feel guilty about it. <laughs> That's called a peace that passes understanding. The world can't give it because it doesn't come from the world. If the world gave you your peace, it can steal it out from underneath you. But Jesus said, the peace I give comes from him and it comes from being near him in a relationship to him. The warning sign going off in your soul is fear, anxiety, and worry. And the peace of God is what combats all that fear, anxiety, and worry. There is truly a peace that passes understanding that we can tap into. Amen. God keeps his promises. Paul called it in Philippians 4, the peace that passes understanding. So let me move forward. I got an illustrated sermon today. I know you all love these. I know you do. This isn't the the Twinkies and the bag of chips, but it's pretty good. 
So the stone is removed. Remember, you got to get the stone removed. God can speak to it, but there's some things in our life that God isn't necessarily going to speak to when we have the power to begin to deal with them. Then his power matches up with our obedience. Are you listening to me? That's what I see in this story. So the stone is removed, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Do you know why he had to say Lazarus? Because if he just said come forth, all the graves would have opened up, and everybody would have started climbing out of caves all over the place. (laughs) Lazarus gets up, and he is wrapped head to toe in grave clothes, right? In other words... I guess, kind of look like a mummy. So the word of God goes forth. The stone is removed. People remove the stone. Jesus didn't touch it. The word of God goes forth into the situation, and Lazarus is up, but he's not free. I mean, I don't know how it worked. Did he start hopping? That's where we get the Easter bunny, by the way. He's all wrapped up, and he, again, there's two instances in this story where Jesus could have spoke a word in that moment and saw the grave clothes disappear. Can I help some of you all this morning? Because I already had a a conversation with a gentleman right before service started, and I won't share what was said just because I don't know him that well yet. But the bottom line was, is, hey, I stayed out of church because people told me that I wasn't good enough for heaven. Can I tell you something this morning? Spiritually speaking, when God declares and you spiritually have been resurrected, we think that then we're perfect. There's some, only God can, can speak in your life and see spiritual resurrection. In other words, you were dead, and now I'm alive. Lazarus was dead, and now he's alive. But there is something that we don't understand called discipleship. He was still wrapped in the grave clothes, and he told the people around him, loose him and let him go. Church, this morning I came to tell you not only God is God a promise keeper, not only do you need to get the stone out of the way of what stinketh, not only is God a promise keeper and will God come through for you and he knows exactly where you are, but there is a process that we all go through and it's never meant to be done alone. Never. You weren't meant to try to walk this out by yourself. I think the Lord God in heaven, I would never be standing right here where I am today if I had been around people that two, three, four, five weeks after I got saved, everything was supposed to be out of my life and I wasn't supposed to have any habits and I wasn't supposed to have any hang-ups and I wasn't supposed to be drawn back to sin. Thank God I had men men of God in my life to look at me and say, Jason, just keep moving forward because I am going to take those grave clothes and maybe it may be wrapping you up now, but I'm going to begin to take them and begin to pull them off of you. Jesus could have spoke a word and everything fell off of him, but he said, hey, Go help him. If you're here today and you are spiritually dead, Jesus can save you and resurrect you and make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we're here to roll the stone away 
and to begin to let some things be loosed from your life. Because we need it. Some of you, first, first area that was wrapped up for him was his heart. And what had happened, what happens to us in our heart? What's happened to all of us? You get hurt. You just, just good old-fashioned hurt. Maybe somebody betrayed you. Maybe somebody turned their back on you. Maybe somebody said something. Maybe something happened in your life that, you know, you trusted people and they just hung you out to dry. You got thrown under the bus. You, it just hurt. Can I tell you something this morning? If you're ever going to move into a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and relationship with other people, here's what I found. And you guys know this is true. Hurt people hurt people. That's the truth. That's not just a little cliche. Can we, can, we have, can we have sympathy with some people that we run across that just seems like they're always just hurting people? Can we have the heart of the Father for some people? I'm not talking about just being a jerk. All right? Some people you're just like, man, they, they ain't hurt. They just mean. <laughs> but I think the first place today that the Lord wants to deal with is some of you just have hurt. And listen, you can take that gray cloth off. Amen? Begin to, begin to allow the Holy Spirit and allow other people. Can I give you a piece of advice and just say that if other people are close to you in your life and they can look and just say, man, it's just... I notice you lash out in this area. I notice that you I notice that you react this way in this situation. That could be just the Holy Spirit speaking to you and say, hey, let, let's let's heal this. Church, we're all a work in progress. We think we walk out of the tomb. Oh. That was only one that did that, and his name is Jesus Christ. And you ain't it. You ain't him, amen. I'm endeavoring to be like him. But especially in pastoring, you can't let that hurt. You can't let those things get into your heart and into your life. You got to allow even other people to point them out and to help you. Everybody say heart. heart. Everybody say hurt. hurt. And then, here's what I want to tell you. There are really people here that care about your well-being. They do. We'll help take those clo- the, the, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, <laughs> oh, Lord. I almost messed up. I think I'll just go ahead and put this right over my face because it's red. Ain't nobody taking their clothes off in the church. Ain't, ain't going to happen. Listen. This is the grave cloth of habit. Can I tell you, after I got saved, I still had a lot of habits. And some of you had people come to you, just like what I heard this morning. Some people had had people come to you. Man, it's been a week, and you still doing that? Listen, here's where habits get entrenched, and they get entrenched in your mind. And can I tell you something this morning? They not only get entrenched in your mind, here is what happens. We all know this. They're called triggers because we all have something in our mind that we've walked away from. You've walked out of the grave. You've even maybe had the the grave cloth removed, 
and you're starting to renew your mind on the Word of God, can I tell you what you have today? You have an enemy, and he is going to set up a situation in your life that is what? It's going to try to get you to go back to something, and, and I'm not proud to say this, but I'm going to be real with you. For me, when I have things happen in my life, my comfort is food, not the Holy Spirit. Y'all are like, we see, bro. We see that comfort. Can I tell you the place that the Holy Spirit wants to get us to? No matter what hurt comes, we can deal with it and do it in love. No matter what tragedy, no matter what heartbreak, no matter what situation comes. Did I mess up my hair, y'all? I'm just trying to... <laughs> it's getting lighter. <laughs> Whatever comes, listen... We oftentimes get into a situation, and here's what we do. We just go back, right? We just we go back to something that brought us comfort. Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit's name is? The Comforter. We're not supposed to reach out to food or the drugs or the anxiety medicine or the alcohol. If you're on those medicines, I'm not, I'm not knocking anything. I'm just saying that he is supposed to be our everything. Amen? And, and quickly, if our, uh, if Alexis, if you'd come, please, and begin to play. This is probably, this is probably the most important one, because this probably applies to a lot of people in here. It's, it's the grave cloth around the feet. The reason this is so important and so critical is because some of you have made a step and another step out of the grave, and you're resurrected. Jesus has saved you. You're on your way to heaven but you're so down on yourself because you keep tripping and falling. So God deals with the hurt in the heart. He deals with the habits in the head. And then he begins to loose. And this, again, this will come through. This is why it is so important for you to do Christianity in community because we have other people that can help you and love on you and point things out. And here's what's happened to many of you. Those grave claws haven't come off around your feet. And you're tripping. And you're falling. And you're tripping. And you're falling. Again, this is not the first church of the poser. So I'm going to tell you where I keep tripping up. And look, this is just one of several areas. But for your pastor, it's my temper. And just about the time that I think that I've gotten over getting mad at somebody driving 10 miles under the speed limit on 19 (laughs) or honking at people in McDonald's line, just about the time that I think I'm walking away from that and I fall. Can I tell you what it is? It's grave clothes that need to come off. Because just because I have a moment where I get upset at somebody that cuts me off in traffic or... Again, I don't want you to just have this vision of me just raging. and I'm not like that. I hold it inside and I take it out on Leah when I get him. No, I'm, not, I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. There's all kinds of rumors going to be started today. Like, what's going on with Pastor? I'm sure it was Leah. <laughs> She's not in here, so we can just say it is. Yes. But church, I have an encouragement for you today if you'd stand. Go ahead and put us in worship mode there because 
The Holy Spirit said, make an altar call and tell people that the grave clothes need to come off today. The stone needs to be rolled away because God is going to speak resurrection power into and over your situation this morning. And he's going to roll the stone. You're going to roll the stone away by an act of obedience of just saying, God, I want this removed. I know what's behind there does stink. But God does not want your mask or your religiosity this morning. He wants your honesty. That, hey, it may stink, but God, I'm going to reveal this. And this and I'm not going to pass the microphone around and all of us share what sin issues we, or habits or struggles or things that make us trip up. But I think it's so important today, and I believe this word is from the Holy Spirit. It's so important today that we don't walk out of this place today bound by what had you when you walked in. Because if I know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ, it's this. He is a healer. He is a resurrector. He is a bondage breaker. He is a way maker. And he is wanting his children just to be honest and say, Lord, I've got this area for me again. It's Lord, I, I don't want to, I want to live my life in peace. I've even begun as, as somebody starts to make me mad in traffic, I just say, Lord, I bless them. The first 10 times I did it, I didn't mean it. I didn't. The last 10 times recently, I'm like, thank you, Lord. What is happening? The grave clothes are coming off. You say, you're a pastor and you've been saved for 25 years. Can I tell you, this is called a process of sanctification. You are justified as if you'd never sinned. But Peter preached that on the day of Pentecost. He said, repent and be converted. Repentance is the resurrection power that's spoken into the tomb and you come back to life spiritually. But being converted takes time. It takes other people in your life. And it takes a commitment to walk in obedience to the word of God every single day. Do I have anybody that's brave enough just to come up and join with me around this altar and say, God, roll the stone away today. Roll it away. Come join me up here. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you right now, God. Holy Spirit, we need you right now, God. I tell you, the word is coming to me. Repent so that times of refreshing may come from the hand of the Lord. There's a spirit of repentance in here today just to turn away. Here, here, God loves you so much. He loves you. He is not angry with you. He is not even disappointed in you as much as he wants to see you grow and become just like him. That's what we're to be is just like him. So any area in our lives to continue to draw you to this altar, any area of our life that doesn't line up with the fruit of the spirit and his character, It needs to be rolled away today in this place. It needs to be left here at this altar. Help us, Holy Spirit. Folks at the altar, just keep pressing into the Lord. Give me some light back there, Conrad. I want to ask this question. To continue to live in sin means you're separated from God. And you may have come in here 
This isn't a day of feeling bad about that. It's a day to understand that Jesus came that you may be saved. Bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning. I want to give just a little bit of privacy to the folks that are here. I want to ask you a question. It's this simple. This simple. Do you know him? Is he your everything? The answer to that question is, I don't know. I'm not sure. Can I just ask you to, and we're not here to embarrass you. We're here just to, to introduce you to the one that made a difference in our lives this morning. Would you shoot your hand up so we can all pray together? If that's you, you say, I just, I just need to give my heart to Jesus. I need that resurrection power to come into my life. I need him to, to make me and to speak over me that I'm a new creation in him. That comes from repentance, turning away declaring in your heart and with your mouth that he is Lord, and it says we shall be saved. Is there anybody? Praise God, we're all saved. Here's some, I I, want to talk to some other people that are out there. Stretch your hands this way to our brothers and sisters up front, and let's just believe right now in this moment the stone is rolled away, and the grave clothes are going to be loosed in Jesus' name. Father, we gather our hearts We gather right now, Father God, and we pray and declare, God, your word, come alive in Jesus' name. Father, we declare your word that those who come to you, God, you will draw near to. So, Father, I pray that they would be loosed in the name of Jesus. God, you said the anointing destroys the yoke, Father. I pray for that yoke-destroying anointing, Father, to come upon each one, and God, loose them. May they be loosed in the name and by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Father, today. Loosed in Jesus' name. Loosed in Jesus' name. Loosed in Jesus' name. Everybody say, loosed. Lift your hands with me, church, right there where you are. Father, I thank you for your word. (laughs) I thank you for your character. And I thank you that nothing could ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that that love would settle upon each heart and each person in this room. Father, I pray over this congregation that they would be blessed going in and blessed going out. That they would be blessed at work and blessed in their homes. Father, I pray for parents and I pray for those who have young kids and teenagers. God, I pray and ask for your help, God. Help protect them and watch over them, God. Help us to be the parents that you've called us to be, showing your love and your your righteousness and your holiness to our families. But, Father, I pray blessings upon Christian Center Church. God, as they go today, may your face shine upon them, and may you give them peace, and may you give them rest. And may you protect and watch over each one and each family member, even those who aren't here today that are a part of our body. May you watch over them until you bring us back here together at the appointed time. Father, we love you dearly. And Lord, I thank you for the the blood of your son and the resurrection, God, which means we can live with confidence, peace, and hope that, Lord, nothing is out of your control. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray and all God's people said, go in the name of the Lord and be blessed today. Enjoy your Sunday afternoon. It's a gorgeous day. So have a good time. And remember, Pastor David and his wife are up front here. Really want to encourage you, if you feel led, to be a part of this camp. Amen.